Now we're in a series called Jesus Stories, and what we've looked at is we've been looking at some very familiar passages of Scripture that we all have grown up with. Right, we first looked at Jesus walking on the water, and we, we looked at that story isn't about uh, Peter. And most of the time when we get taught that passage of Scripture, it's about Peter. But that passage isn't about Peter, it's all about Jesus. And we've talked about that each of these stories, that these stories tend to be looked at from the recipient rather than the giver. And so this morning we're going to look at uh, probably one of the most famous stories in all of the Bible, uh, Jesus feeding the 5,000. I I guarantee almost if I surveyed the room, we'd all at least have heard of the story that Jesus fed 5,000. And a lot of us would say, well, not just 5,000, but probably 15,000 because the 5,000 were just men that are included in the text. But we know uh, that there was men and women and children. So uh, most scholars say around 15,000 people. And we tend to come to that passage of Scripture and we're looking through the lens of the recipient, uh, of the one that got fed, rather than where it all starts. See, it all starts with this one word in the passage. And the giveaway is it all starts with Jesus having compassion and I just wonder to us as we've been looking at these stories the takeaway for us will be simply this this morning do we have compassion so we can look at us at from the recipient standpoint what is God given to us but we need to look at it as hey have we received the compassion and therefore we give the compassion we'll look at that in this text so let's turn there to Mark chapter 6 verse 30 I love where this story falls in, in the line of the text, the line of the book of Mark. We've just talked about Jesus had walked on water. We, we talked uh, about Jesus healing the demon-possessed man. We talked about the woman who'd been sick for 12 years. We talked about Jesus raising the little girl from the dead. And then there's this passage of Scripture that we just didn't have time to teach. Jesus takes the 12 disciples after they had seen Jesus do all these miracles, and he sends them out two by two. He says to them, hey, now you go live on mission. Go live on what you've been hearing me teach you. Go do that. And so he teaches them and sends them out. He gives them the authority to uh, go out and do these things. And then uh, they're away, and then it comes to, to Jesus that his cousin, John the Baptist, had just been decapitated. And so that's kind of the crux of the story. The disciples are away doing the work of the Lord, and Jesus and is in a place of mourning. Like, right? That's his cousin who died. So I don't think Jesus is doing backflips. I think there's this heartache in Jesus. And we'll see that in this passage here in a moment. And then it said this in verse 30. It says, The apostles or the disciples returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. So here comes these eager disciples, these eager apostles returning to the Lord with this message. Hey, this is what we did. And we see what they did back in chapter 6, verse 12. So they went out and proclaimed that the people should repent. So they start with the gospel. They start with repentance. They start with preaching. Hey, God says this. Return to him. Repent of your wicked ways. 
So there's this moment of repentance that's happening, and they're seeing the fruit of their repentance. That's the first thing we see, their repentance. They proclaim the gospel message. And then they what? They cast out many demons. And then they begin to anoint people, many people who were sick, and those sick people got well. And so here's what they're coming back with Jesus. This is what we saw. We saw people repenting. We saw people getting set free. We saw people getting healed. And so that's the message. Don't miss that part of the text. Because in a few moments, they're going to forget all that. Right? Like, here they come. Within moments, they forgot what they had just done. Anybody in the room can relate to that? And then Jesus said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. I I think he's talking to them. I think he's talking to himself. Man, it's been a long day. Like, I know all that y'all have done, but I'm sitting here in some grief. My, my, My closest friend, the one that paved the way for me, the baptizer, John, someone who I was close to, like, when he came around at the womb, Jesus left in his mom's stomach. Like, they're close. There's a relationship there that now is gone forever, earthly speaking. And so there's got to be some grief with Jesus. And I I think that place of Jesus was like, let's go get some rest. Let's just get away and get some rest. And so for many, we're coming and going, and they had no leisure, not even to eat. The crowd is beginning to press upon Jesus and press on the disciples and to demand the disciples and to demand from Jesus. And said They didn't have enough time to sit down and have a lunch. Like there's this high demand for Jesus. There's this high demand on his disciples. They couldn't even eat. And then they went away in the boat. There's a lot of going on in this boat, right? I mean, we see that in the first the story the second story there's they're constantly going to and from from one side of the lake to the next side of the lake they get in the boat they go to a a secluded place by themselves they're headed to get away catch that in the text they're headed away from people to rest verse 33 now many saw them going and recognizing them and recognizing them the disciples the ones who had just set them free who had just called them to repentance who just cast out their demons they saw them they recognized and they thought man i gotta get more of that and they ran there on foot from all the towns to get there ahead of them i just wonder what was going on in the minds and hearts of the disciples that day. Like here it is, Jesus says, hey, let's go and get some rest. And here Jesus and the disciples are rowing this boat, and they see on the shore, man, we're not going to get any alone time. And they, they see it from the crowd. They see them rushing to the crowd where they're rowing. I don't know if you've ever rowed a boat. You can outrun a boat rowing. So here they come, like they can't row fast enough to get away. I put in my Bible this one little word, interrupted. Will I be interrupted when I want rest? 
Will we be interrupted when God wants to do something, though we're tired and we want to take a rest? Will we be interrupted? Because they're about to be interrupted with 15,000 people. Now, that's a chaotic interruption. I don't know if you've ever been in a crowd of 15,000 people, but it is uh, chaos-controlled. And God forbid those 15,000 people want something from you. I've never been in that kind of crowd. But these 15,000 people that are on the shore want something from Jesus and the disciples. But catch what happens when they get interrupted. And catch the heart of the disciples and catch the heart of Jesus. They're different hearts. When he went ashore, he saw the great crowd. He gets out of the boat. He sees the crowd. Remember, Jesus is getting out of the boat to what? Go get rest. Jesus was not going to do any miracle. Jesus wasn't going to do the 5,000. That wasn't what Jesus was preparing his disciples for. He was going to get rest, to get away. That's what the text tells us, right? And so he sees the crowd, and I don't know about you, but if I have a plan and something interrupts my plan, I don't have what Jesus has in the next word, right? I get irritated, I get put off, I get short, I get mean, I get angry. Am I the only one? Like when I have a plan that I want to do something and something interrupts that plan, I don't have what it says. I don't see the crowd and what? Have compassion. You see, this whole story of the 5,000 isn't about the 5,000. Catch it. It's about that one word, compassion. And what the word in the Greek means, compassion, is your innermost parts are moved. From the bowels of his belly, it says that he's moved with compassion. Like there's something that stirs in Jesus when he sees the crowd. It's not irritation. It's not put-offness. It's not, I got something else going on. It's, man, there's something in me that has compassion for these people. And what's the compassion for the people? What's he say? What's it say? What's his compassion for? He saw them and he had compassion because they were what? Like what? Sheep without a shepherd. Sheep are dumb animals. They're just, just, just dumb. I mean, I'm not a farmer, but if you ask a farmer, sheep are not the brightest uh, animals on the planet. Sheep kind of do whatever they want, however they want, and just kind of uh, just kind of wander around. Anyone ever like been near sheep? It's like, whoa, man. And that's what Jesus says. They're like sheep without a shepherd. Like sheep without a shepherd, they're, they're, they're very defenseless animals. It's not like Jesus says, hey, there's a bunch of wolverines. There's a bunch of you fill in the blank. No, sheep have no defensive. Like that ball of cotton ain't going to hurt very many people. Like, oh, I'm going to ram them with my ball of cotton like that. Like, okay, like, I mean, really? You see a badger coming after. You see a wolverine coming after. You, you see a, a warthog, a boar coming after. You're running. 
But you saw a sheep coming after you, you'd be like, oh, that's cute. Look at that little cloud coming after me. I'll let them all gather about. Maybe I'll take a nap in the midst of the, the cotton. And he's saying to us, these are sheep, defenseless people. Without a shepherd. There's no one to care for them. There's no one to protect them. There's no one to lead them. There's no one to guide them. You see, without a shepherd, a sheep isn't even going to find its own way to get water. Its own way to eat. They'll die without a shepherd. And Jesus says, I have compassion for the people because they're like sheep without a shepherd. They're going to die. It says this, they're sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. You know, there's another passage in Mark, you could, in Matthew chapter 9, where he refers to them as the people, as sheep. And this is, what, this is how he describes them in Matthew chapter 9. I, th- I taught on this a few Wednesday nights ago. But I believe it's true in this passage as well. He said he saw the crowd and he had compassion on them because they were what? Harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So he sits down with these hurting, harassed, helpless people and begins to teach them. And I wonder what he began to teach them that day. I wonder in my mind's eye, when I read the text, when I do some cross-references, I think Jesus began to teach them, hey, you don't have to be harassed, and you don't have to be helpless. You don't have to continue wandering. Right? We see that all through the book of John, these I am statements. I think on that day, as he got out of the boat, he just began to teach the people who he was. And what he wanted to do for the people the compassion part of him. Let's turn back to Mark. So he begins to teach them these things. And as he taught them these things, it began to get late into the evening. And when it grew late, the disciples came to him. This is a desolate place. I wonder if he was like, they were taking a cheap jab. Hey, this is a desolate place. No, it's not really desolate if there's 15,000 people there. I think you're going to see the heart of the disciples here in a moment. Like, they're saying, hey, we were supposed to go to a desolate place, but we didn't end up there. And so I wonder if for me, when I read that word, those words, if that's not a cheap shot. Like, that's not saying something to Jesus. Like, really, man? like a desolate place, 15,000 people is not very desolate, is it? This is a desolate place. And Jesus is like, I know. And the hour is now late. And then you see the heart of the disciples. What does he say? What do they say? Send them away. Hey, let's get back on the agenda to rest. Let's get back on the reason we came here. Just get them out of here. We're tired of being interrupted. Send them away. Just get rid of them. And to go into the surrounding countryside, into the villages, to buy themselves something to eat. 
Like, get rid of them. And then Jesus does what only Jesus can do. And he answers them. But he answers them with compassion. And what does he say to them? You give them something to eat. What, man? This wasn't on the plan, Jesus. Like, the plan was to get away. The, the plan was to go rest. The plan was to go take time by ourselves. And Jesus turns it on and says, no, no, you. Don't ask about me giving them something. You give them something. What? Like, uh, and you'll see what their words are to Jesus. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? What, what, that's another sarcastic remark. What they're saying is, Jesus, we don't have a year's worth of salary to go buy anybody anything. That's what that was, a year's worth of salary. They knew Jesus knew that. Like, remember what they had just done 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour, two days prior. They had gone and called to, for repentance. They had gone and cast out demons. They had gone and saw sick people get well. And now Jesus says, you give them something to eat. And now you see their faith grow from here to here. You see their compassion go from here to here. They had no compassion for those people. They had compassion for themselves. They had their own agenda, but they weren't on the God's agenda was to do something for these people and it, i promise it extends way more than some fish and some bread but he said you give them something to eat i wrote in my margin of my bible what do i what do i have to give for someone to eat i, I think that's god's call in my life i think that's god's call in everyone's life that's a believer you give them something to eat. In that moment, I just sat as I was studying this week and thought, what, man, what, what, what do I have to give? And am I willing to give what I have? We see the disciples weren't even willing to give what they have. And Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And one day the twelve had found out. They came back and reported, we have five, five loaves and two fish. And then Jesus commanded them, them all to sit down in groups. So I think he says to the twelve disciples, hey, go and get them all to spread out in these smaller groups so that it's more manageable. Go and have them sit down. And so the disciples went and they had all these people sit down in groups on the green grass. I love those two words. The green grass is a, 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 goes right back to being sheep, the pasture. It goes back to what Jared said. It goes back to uh, Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Where does he make us lie down? Green pastures. Why? Because he had compassion for people. He was doing way more than feeding them. So he has them lay down, he has them sit down, he has them lounge in the green grass. And so they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up in heaven and said, Bless, blessing 
and took the loaves and gave them to the disciples and set it before the people. I wonder, that day that Jesus was in the upper room and Jesus was beginning to prepare for his death and he had his 12 disciples with him at the table, what did Jesus do? He took the, the loaf of bread and what does he do? He breaks it and holds it open and gives a blessing. I wonder if that night, that, that wretched night, that beautiful night, that scandalous night, that this story didn't flood back into their memory. Oh, wait, 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 we remember Jesus doing this. We remember Jesus feeding the 5,000, and yet now he's about to feed us, and he's about to give us way more because we remember that from the story. So it was way more, again, than just Jesus breaking bread on that hillside. Jesus was preparing the hearts of the disciples for what he was going to do months later to break the bread, to give his life away to them. So he broke the bread and he gave the blessing and then he took the body, he took the bread and gave it to the 12 disciples and said, hey, now you take this, you take me and you give it away to people. That's what he's saying in the passage. That, that's what he's going to say to them months later at, at the Last Supper. Here's my body. Do this in remembrance of me. Do what in remembrance of me? Give yourselves away to people. Remember what I did for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Break your body for me. Be interrupted for me. Give yourself away for me. So what did they do? They sat down and they gave all this food away. He looked up in heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave it to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among all of them. Catch verse 42. They were sitting there on the green grass and they were sitting in community with one another. And I wonder if they were talking about, man, look, look what Jesus has just done. Like we're, there's 15,000 of them. He took this little, these little bread and this little bit of fish and we're all sitting here and we're all eating. And I wonder that conversation on the green grass that day. You see, we're going to see in a few moments Jesus wasn't offering them an appetizer. Jesus wasn't offering them something to hold them over to where they could leave and go get enough. Because what does it say in the next words? They were all, what, satisfied. They were all filled. Jesus knew exactly what they needed and how much they needed. Which would have reminded the disciples back in Exodus where they had just enough food for the day. It was called manna. And so here it's blowing their minds like, oh my gosh, Jesus always gives us enough and we are always satisfied. Do we believe that, church? Do we believe that Jesus gives us enough and in his enoughness we're satisfied? It's not a holdover, people. He's not trying to hold us over to heaven. Like, if you think earth is the ER, then you're going to live a miserable day. Because in the ER, you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. This is not the ER. This is the banquet table. This isn't the hour between, you know, how they do it nowadays. is the hour between you get married and then you wait and wait and wait and wait to eat the meal. And then they come and give you, like, here's one little shrimp. Like, like here's a hot dog wrapped in bacon. 
Like, here's the smallest glass of water we could find. Like, he's not holding us over. He's waiting for us to come into the banquet table, to sit down, to receive what he has for us, and so that we will be satisfied. The question for you and me this morning, are we satisfied? Because he's giving us satisfaction through his compassion. You see, this story is way more about Jesus than it is who he satisfied. He's saying, I will satisfy you. I can satisfy you. Here you go. And then what does it say? They were all satisfied. They were all full. God always satisfies. But it doesn't stop there. Don't catch the last verse of the text. I think Jesus is now about to show his compassion towards the knucklehead disciples. Right? Remember, the, just remember a few moments before in the story, the disciples wanted to send them away. Disciples wanted to get away themselves. Disciples wanted to be alone. Disciples wanted to rest. And yet Jesus says, okay, I got something more for you. And then they, the 12 disciples, took up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of fish. Catch that. 12 full baskets for 12 full knuckleheads like okay you didn't think i could satisfy not only did i satisfy but now here each of you go and take this basket full and be satisfied for days they, they wouldn't have just taken them like we do taking it up and throwing it in the trash they would have held on to it like man this is bread this is nutrients we, we don't always get this and so jesus says okay I'm going to have compassion for the people, but now I'm going to have compassion on you to show you, hey, I, I really do want to offer you more than you could ever dream or imagine. Go and pick up all the leftover pieces. So there the 12 men go. They picked up more than they even started with. Do you see that in the passage? He always provides. He always provides more than we think he provides. But in our limited perspective, we don't think he's given us enough. And so they pick up these pieces. It says, and those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. My challenge for us, church, is this. When we come to this passage, a very familiar passage, do we see first God's compassion on us? It all started. The crux of this text is not about the, the five bread and the two fish. It's about Jesus' compassion. Do we see that in the text? I think when we come to this passage, we've come so often to this passage, we think, oh man, five, five and two, five and two, five and two. It's all about eating. No, it's all about Jesus' compassion for the lost sheep. Which then begs the diff, the, the, for us to ask the question. When we leave here and, and we get out of our boat and we get onto our shore and when we're interrupted by people, are we moved with compassion? Are, are we moved with compassion when people cut us off in line? Are we moved with compassion when people bump into us literally? You see, that was happening for Jesus. But it all is going to go back to asking yourself the question, am I moved with compassion do I really see people for who they are, lost and helpless sheep without a shepherd? 
You see, we can rant and rave about the world all we want. And we can rant and rave how the world is going to hell in a handbasket. And we can sit back in judgment and point the finger all day long. Or will we enter into the chaos and say, hey, there's something different. And let's have compassion for the people that most people don't have compassion for. Red, yellow, black, and white, he loves them all the same. Straight, gay, he loves them all the same. And yet we, in our, 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 um, our arrogance, we look down on them with judgment. And Jesus says, no, no, it has to start with compassion. Because when you have compassion for people, you'll feed them. And Jesus says, you feed them, I'll draw them to myself, and they will be satisfied and then we get to look around at the end of the day at the end of the week at the end of the year and we get to gather all that's left over and then we get to celebrate what god has done like look what god has done but what was convicting for me in this passage this week was how full is my bucket how full do i see my bucket is it always empty or is it just overflowing You see, God is at work here at Powell's Chapel. We're going to see this in a few moments. We have a number of people join. We're going to go in to have a, a deacon nomination. We're going to go before the Lord and call a man to be our associate pastor. God is doing something here. Our bucket is full. Do we see that, church? And if we see that, are we satisfied with that? And if we're satisfied with that, are we moved with compassion to a lost and dying world to offer them something? Because they're sheep without a shepherd. And they need a place to come and to get healing and to get hope and not to be harassed and not to be helpless. They need a new pen, if you will. They need new green grass to lie in. I believe that this church is that. I don't mean this building. I mean you, the people. The church isn't a building. Do you know that, 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 okay, this is Powell's Chapel, but did you take this building away, like whoopty duty. we still gather, we're still the people of God, we're still the church of God, we still have green grass to offer a helpless, hopeless world without a building. And it starts with you, it starts with you, it starts with you, it starts with me, and then it starts with us collectively to have compassion the way Jesus did on the side of the shore that day. Compassion for the people, Compassion for his disciples. Compassion to say, hey, you will always be satisfied in me. And then some. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would move in us this heart of compassion. But God, it must start with us realizing your compassion for each one of us in the room. Your compassion so moved you to die on a cross for all of us, Lord Jesus. That is compassion. And you call us to lay our lives down for people. Will we do that with compassion? Will you move in our bowels, Lord Jesus, to have compassion for this lost, hurting, desperate world? And then, God, when we offer them something that will always satisfy. 
you always satisfy. You always are in abundance, Lord Jesus. You always give us leftovers. We always find hope and rest and peace in you, Lord Jesus. God, you know who here is in the room that is far from you this morning. I pray that they feel the compassion being poured out over them and that compassion would draw them to yourself, Lord Jesus. Uh, I pray for us as a church, God, that you would continue to move us and stir us for the harassed, for the helpless, for the hopeless, sheep without a shepherd. And you uh, would allow us to point them to the great shepherd. Give us compassion the way you have compassion. Pray this in the mighty name of Christ Jesus.